Looking to generate more revenue and build relationships with gamers worldwide? Let Exola be your guide. Exola, a global video game commerce company, has helped thousands of game developers and publishers of all sizes fund, market, launch, and monetize their games globally and across multiple platforms. To learn more, please visit xsolla.pro slash A-O-I-A-A-S. Hi, I'm Austin Wintry, and this is The Game Maker's Notebook. Today, I talked to Chris Velasco, who's a composer with a long and deep history in games. He has scored just an endless pile of massive AAA games, uh, starting with Battlestar Galactica 20-odd years ago, covering franchises like uh, Darksiders, and he worked on Mass Effect, he worked on a handful of God of War titles, and on and on and on and on, Bloodborne, there's so many, and we talk extensively about his really compelling journey into the world of games, and just his life up to that point, and then move all around and end with a lovely discussion on his passion outside of games, which I think is one of the most novel and interesting passions of any of my composer friends. And I just uh, loved hearing him talk about it. So it was a great chat. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Game Maker's Notebook, a podcast featuring a series of in-depth one-on-one conversations between game makers providing a thoughtful, intimate perspective on the business and craft of interactive entertainment. The Game Maker's Notebook is presented by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, a member-driven organization dedicated to the recognition and advancement of interactive entertainment. Okay, well, Chris Velasco, this has been a long time coming. I've had you on my uh, list with these guys for ages, uh, and I'm so happy we're finally making this happen. Appreciate you. Carving out some time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a it's been a while, I think, since I've seen you. Yeah, I I feel like um, all the normal places where we might cross paths, GDC and that sort of stuff. Um, I somehow haven't seen you. Um, uh, yeah, in like years, physically, I mean, at least uh, you know, other than the compulsory Twitter stalking to see the what's the latest going on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't even been to GDC. Uh, for a while, since 2020, actually. Well, that um, explains why I haven't seen you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel less bad now for somehow failing to cross paths. So that's good. You've absolved me from some self-consciousness. Um, I, uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about, um, not least of which shortly after we put this on the schedule, I was going to the Pantages um, and step out of the little parking lot right there, and there's a huge billboard looming over Hollywood board, Boulevard for the Lords of the Fallen. Uh, oh, no and, way. Uh, yeah, like literally one block from Pantages, and it's not often you see the like full-on, like not a bus stop ad, but one of these like four-story, it's half the size of, of a, half the side of a building Um kind of ads for for a game so it was one of those where i was like ah this is timely it's this that's is super cool i had no idea now i'm gonna um oh man that drive into hollywood but yeah i've got to go see it <laughs> <laughs> if i thought of it i would have just taken your photo and sent it you know sent it your way and 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 you know 
you can you can like a sighting in the wild but um uh we'll we'll culminate there i would love i know we've kind of we've done this a little bit together we did one of these i can't remember i can't remember what the occasion was but when we did one of these together um i enjoyed hearing your your backstory and that run up to Battlestar Galactica, but for the sake of due diligence, uh, why don't you just set the 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 table uh, for us here on just where where it all started for you? You know the 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 sort of road into specifically game music, um, and um, what sort of brought those initial opportunities your way? All right, I'll I've said this story so many times, so I think I can do a slightly shorter version because I tend to get carried away in the whole backstory. And then it's like, oh my God, that he just wanted to, it was one, one question. I took 30 minutes. <laughs> well, um, in fairness, this is a bit of a long form format. So, you know, I, I like it because for what it's worth, I've, I've heard the story, but I also, obviously our listeners may not have, but, but on top of that, I like when threads start to appear, you know, and you really start to see the, those through lines that make up a person, which reflect in their work and also just who they are as a person and those overlaps between output and input. And so, so don't, don't feel the need to be super abridged. Um, although okay. I'm sure we both have things to do later today as well. So we'll, I'll, <laughs> let, I'll let you, I'll let you reconcile those two things. Just give me one of these if it's taking yeah, too long. I'll start playing. <laughs> I'll start doing the, the awards music uh, or the right. microphone will start lowering <laughs> on its own, you know? <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, my, uh, my journey into music and composing, um, you know, everybody's is obviously different. Um, I did not grow up in a musical household. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't play anything. I, I wanted to play piano actually as a kid, uh, but we didn't have a piano. And, <clears throat> but my neighbor, I went over there one day and he was playing Star Wars, the theme to Star Wars on the piano. And I was like, oh my God, you can play that on the piano. And like, I have to, I have to play this. Um, <laughs> but then, but then nothing for a very long time. And I had, I did play guitar in a death metal band my last couple of years of, of high school. And from there, I went into like a junior college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Nothing really stuck out as like, uh, this is, you know, this is a career path for me. Like I had no idea. So I just took a little bit of everything. And two years into that, uh, for fun, I took a music appreciation class and it just sounded fun. Like, well, it's a credit. I'll learn something. <laughs> um, it, you know, it'll be fun to learn about music, I suppose. And what city um, is this taking place in Bakersfield, California? Okay. Yeah. One of the cultural hubs of, uh, Western civilization. <laughs> uh, actually a lot of big country artists came from there. It's true. It is uh, a bit of like California Nashville in, in, in a very yeah. legitimate way. I got a country singer friend who is like, She'd be horrified at my little snarky comment at, at, at Bakersfield because it's actually it is a bit of a gem, but still, especially with a, an inclining like a it, well, I imagine metal puts you bit a bit on the outs uh, there. I bet there's not a huge metal scene. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, I would have no idea. Um, corn originated in Bakersfield too. Really, I've never yeah. known that. Yeah, I used to play shows with them, my band and corn, and, and before they got big, so. 
Holy shit, um, that's really good trivia. I, yeah. I literally never, that's so funny. You're like, actually, Corn and Tool and ACD, they're all from Bakersfield. <laughs> uh, and the Beatles. I don't know if you know yeah. this, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bakersfield accent is very peculiar amongst American dialects. Yeah, uh, all right, my, forgive Liverpool. my derailment. Okay, so uh, you're in Bakersfield and you take this music playing, appreciation playing course. Metal, playing taking music appreciation. Um, this one day we were studying the music of the classical era and um and of course mozart came up and we're listening to the his 40th symphony which i'd never heard before and i was nearly moved to tears in class i couldn't believe this music i'd never heard anything like it it just it moved me on such a profound level and i just had this like lightning strike of of inspiration where i was like this is this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to write music. And which is kind of weird because I'm now like 21, 22 or so. And I couldn't read music. I'd, I'd maybe been to the symphony once before, but um, nothing that really stuck out. But I decided to stay in at that school for one more year and just take music classes. So theory and history and piano lessons and, I did some, they didn't really have a composition program there because it's just a junior college, but I took private composition lessons from the, the music teacher there. And then I put together a little portfolio and I applied to you know a bunch of different schools. And by the way, when I'm putting my portfolio together, it was my, my symphony. And Excellent. I didn't have a, I didn't have a keyboard, you know, I couldn't play things in. Uh, there was no samples or anything. I had a, a sound blaster sound card on my dad's Macintosh. <laughs> and and I had a, a copy of Finale. And I clicked in every note with a mouse. So funny. I did this. This is like, yeah, it's, it's so funny. I had, I had Cakewalk uh, uh, and would do the same. It was fundamental. It's not notation software, but it had the crude version. And I literally, it's exactly started the same way. I had no notion of MIDI input. It didn't even occur to me that that was an option. And so it was like yeah. keyboard and mouse, you know, it's crazy when you think about how much music, like, I, because I, I, I wrote probably hours worth of music over a, pa- a f- few years that way. And in hindsight, I'm like, how did I not deform, like, give myself arthritis? <laughs> uh, that's just, yeah. So I, I rarely meet somebody that had a similar kind of first entry point. I'm also just, as an aside, the the, the notion of, Mozart being that lightning bolt is so rare because most people hear those those canonized composers and it feels like that art form is now sort of sealed off. It's almost like it's a completed project. Whereas you hear John Williams or somebody like that and you realize, oh, this is someone who's alive and doing it. That makes it feel more approachable. So there's something very uniquely cool about hearing arguably the most famous composer to have ever lived and going, you know what? I'd like to be up at bat for that guy's job. Like there's something I find that actually very awesome uh, to, to be, to, to kind of get it from such a deep down in the well kind of place. Yeah. He was my gateway drug for sure. Like Mozart and then Schubert. And I always Mm. had this, uh, this fantasy in the back of my head and, you know, people have done it now and I don't want to do it anymore, but um, (laughs) you know, finishing his unfinished symphony, (laughs) 
right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that and Beethoven's 10th. And there's a few of those that, that people have uh, now with AI, I think, uh, there's, you know, there's probably 20 million Schubert finished symphonies per hour, uh, that we can, (laughs) uh, listen to and take stock of that are, you know, deeply like machine learned on his body of work kind of thing. But, um, Oh, it's going to take a dark turn. And, uh, <laughs> um, so, okay. So anyway, so I, yeah, put together the, the one note at a time, clicked in portfolio. Um, what was the ambition? Like this was just to be able to pursue like the next stage of a degree or, or was yeah, there any I wanted kinda... to transfer into a, to university and, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with music at the time. I thought, for me, the dream was back then, like, okay, I will study music and I will get my doctorate in music, and then I will teach at a university level, and that will give me access to the orchestra there where I can just make them play my music. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, applied to uh, CalArts and UCLA. I wanted to stay in, in California. Um, I got into both, and I went and I audited classes at both. And Cal Arts was I really thought I was gonna go there because it's such a cool school. I don't know if you've if you visited before. I have like once, um and I but I have friends who've gone and who all seem to have had great experiences. Yeah, it I just felt like it was too avant-garde for me. Like I knew <laughs> if I'm gonna go study music, I need <laughs> I need boundaries, I need a regimen, I need someone to like actually teach me, not like go off on some, you know. I couldn't go to this like hippie school. It was just, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I, I took a, one of the classes that I audited there was, was theory. And I'm like, Ooh, man, I'm going to learn some music theory. I'm also one of the only ones I know that really enjoyed music theory. Like I couldn't wait for that class. (laughs) Uh, but I sat in on the class and it was just, there was no desks, no chairs. It was like bean bags and rugs on the floor. Oh, wow. it's way more hippie than I realized. Yeah. And that's funny. The whole class was just like shooting the shit about, I don't even know what, but not music and certainly not music theory. And at the end of the hour, the professor was like, Oh, did anyone do that homework assignment I gave last week? And nobody had, and he's like, ah, next week then, you know, what? <laughs> Holy shit. This is like, uh, this feels like, like a scene from a film. Uh, it's like, it's like a like caricature or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah, totally like Christopher Guest, you know, mockumentary music school. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's hard. It's crazy because uh, especially because the interest in the avant-garde often is from the other way. It's like all about you know, let's sort of burn down the establishment. Uh, but that that often comes in this like hyper intellectualized, like really the kind of super chill vibe is is almost it's like this horseshoe where they kind of meet at the same conclusion i guess but the flavor <laughs> i associate uh, the people that i've known that have gone there have definitely been on that that sort of hyper you know where they they want to write a piece which requires you know diagrams or 3d printed models to fully understand the piece of music like there's a certain that 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 very classic right. <laughs> like 20 late 20th century sort of you know, yeah. just, just, I can't, I don't know how else to describe it and say hyper intellectualized. You, you can't even play it unless you're thinking in, in four dimensions. Yeah. It's um, one of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, then the, one of the other classes I took uh, was just this like ensemble thing. You go in, there's instruments everywhere. 
And it's like, all right, pick up an instrument you've never played before and get ready to play it. And and it's like, okay, somebody call out a key and, you know, someone's like C flat minor, you know, something stupid or C double flat minor. And, and, uh, and it's like, okay, great. And tempo, like, you know, 240. And, and then, okay, what's the meter? 14.8, you know, just something ridiculous. And, uh, and then it's like somebody was conducting and, and it was just, it was like walking into like the guitar center from hell where it's just a cacophony. <laughs> I can only and, imagine. And I was just like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of, bunch of students that are all trying to play lead also, I'm sure that's always the classic, like, you know, when people don't really learn how to jam together and kind of be conversational about it, everybody's just trying to hold center court, you know what I mean? And, and, um, right. Does not work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, plus it was very expensive to go there. Um, so then I went to UCLA, took a couple classes. I really gelled with that place and it's just so beautiful. Um, so yeah, I wound up at UCLA studying music, um, midway through my, my undergrad, I, uh, I, I had now given up to like, Oh God, I don't want to teach. This looks, that looks absolutely horrible. Um, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, film would be great. And, and now I'm starting to listen to more film scores. And, uh, so I was scoring a lot of student films and, you know, trying to find my Spielberg and mm. I was not having any luck. And it was, I feel like every generation that goes through film school, they're all their beginning films. It's so rare to find that one gem. That's like this visionary. It's like, Oh man, this, this person made like this amazing film on like no budget. And, and you can tell they're going to go somewhere. It was all the films I did were either like coming to terms with like your parents' mortality or, um, or coming to terms with your own sexuality. And <laughs> just like, I don't want to see any of these movies. Um, I mean, student films, that's just, yeah. Likewise scored a, scored a lot in, in back in the day. And there is definitely like three or four templates seemingly that most of them, it's like a lot of teenage angst that is coming a little bit late. Uh, you know, they're like hanging on to it cause they're all now in their early twenties, but that's still that kind of, you know, how do I explore this? And, the worst of them definitely think they're the first person to ever make a film about this. You know, like you right. said, like somebody who's like, my parents got divorced and I'm pretty sure I'm the first person to ever have to deal with that <laughs> as a kid. And I'm the first person to make a film about it. And I heard some pretty brazen things from filmmakers like USC. Uh, you know, I was at USC, but it's, I'm sure a similar vibe uh, where, yeah, that was like, you don't understand. This is my mark on the industry. Like we need to do this film properly and, and to the highest degree because this will start my career. You know, it was like, I would hear things like that. And I'd go, it's a, it's about a guy who's staring at a teddy bear and then has like a close up of the single tear. And like, you know, that's your film. This is not entirely sure whose life you think you're going to change, but anyway, yeah, it's. Yeah. Then those... you go to the film festival and you see, you've got to watch 25 of those. And like, Oh oof. boy. Yeah. Talk about, isn't it crazy how a one hour block of, shorts can feel like you're watching like seven David lean films in a row of just these, you know, 
Yeah. Time slows down. There are those occasional real brilliant student, like every now and again, there are one of those people that really does get it. And they really, and even if they're, even if they're also just like expressing teenage angst, but they, but they have, they genuinely do have that spark uh, um, and find something, a new unique way to express it or a unique take. And uh, it seems like the challenge now, I mean, I don't even know what it's like for a student, you know, in 2023 going to school because the technology has also gotten to such a point that, that, someone who has a real eye for production value is inherently less special than they were. I think when you and I were students where the tools right. were so much more basic that like the default was to look like shit. And every now and again, there'd be somebody who really knew how to shoot as well. Yeah. But now, I mean, if you have that vision, but you didn't have, you know, I'm sure there were so many people back in the day that didn't have the budget. And I remember like, Oh, where am I going to find a camera? I got to shoot this thing. Like, Oh, so-and-so has got a camera. Their dad has one. I'm going to borrow it for the weekend. And, you know, now if you've got a new iPhone, like that camera is way better than anything that they're using to shoot when, when I was in school. Plus all this software, just like stock software that will do, you know, real time white balancing and color correction and all these, like, even on a basic level, what they'll do to fix a lot of your shortcomings as a filmmaker, because you just don't know. Like they can, like I'm an idiot when it comes to photography and it, these things make me look like I know what I'm doing because you just push a few presets and it's like, right. looks amazing, you know? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the equalizer of all that. But in any case, so all that said, so you start looking at film, you're looking at student films and you're not overly blown away by the opportunities that that's presented. Yeah. By the way, this has now turned into the extra <laughs> director's cut version of the story. It's I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, but it's great. I, I have picked up on an interesting thread that I, I, I want to ask you about, but I don't, I don't want to derail you more than I already have. Okay. All right. Well, I'll continue, and then you just interrupt whenever you want. Um, so anyway, so, so I thought film, and then it was like, boy, I just, I just want to write Star Wars so bad. <laughs> and, you know, like, how can I make myself available in case, you know, John's busy? Um, <laughs> I just don't want to do all these little, these little five minute dramas at school. Like I, I'm ready for something bigger. I, I was certainly not. Um, and then somebody, you know, I was a gamer as a kid and then I kind of phased it out for a while. And then a friend of mine was like, man, have you played this new game called Outcast? He's like, no. And he's like, dude, you would love the music. It's so good. It sounds like Star Wars. It's amazing. You and the, I, I looked, the Lenny Moore Outcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I heard it. I, uh, somebody, I don't know, had a tape or something probably. And <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, and then you find out, like, it was recorded with a live orchestra and choir in, in Russia. I was going to say, yeah, and, Moscow. It's like one of the really yeah. rare, yeah, super unusual. Um, we can get back to the whole anymore as a mole uh, story later. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, games, you know, last time I played them, it was all, you know, chiptune stuff and um, and now that there's like live orchestra p playing the kind of music that, that I like dream of writing. So I'm going to switch gears and, and try to get into games. 
And so I kind of had this in my head. I had no idea how to get into games, but I was trying to make friends. And I made a friend of a friend that worked at Atari and I, I would occasionally like go have lunch with this guy and, you know, trying to like, Oh, I hear you're working on a, um, a matrix game, uh, which they Mm -hmm. were. And it was the most expensive game like of all time then. And, uh, you know, I think it cost like $20 million or something. And, (laughs) uh, but yeah, just really laser beamed in on, on games. And then it was time to graduate and it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I've had student loans and, and like a structured environment and how to like, they taught me how to write a chord progression and, and how to modulate, but uh, how do you make money? Like, what do you, (laughs) how do you leave school and then like convince somebody to pay you to write music for their, for their project? And I had no idea. And so I tried to stay in school. I, I approached the, the um, Dean of the music department and it's like, Hey, I, I feel like I want to stay for my uh, master's and this guy, it all worked out in the end, but he was like, Chris, I heard that you want to do video game music. That's the rumor going around. It's like, yeah. He said, well, we consider that to be low art. And uh, say those words. He literally said low art. And, (laughs) And he's like, just, you know, we don't need that coming back to school, you're not offering anything to, to the curriculum here. Um, just get your degree and good luck. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. Wow. So I left at my, uh, with my PRO, I'm with CSAC now. And I, you know, you've got to open up your publishing company and mine is low art music. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You've immortalized that conversation rather nicely. I, 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 I think probably anybody that was in any kind of conservatory environment that was taking an interest in film and TV or, or games or God forbid something even pragmatic, like scoring commercials, you know, doing jingle work as it was called back in those days, um, have versions of this kind of story, you know, this, this kind of like, you know, you really like that's, you, you really want to, debase yourself um it's like you've it's like it's as if you've just volunteered that you want to be a porn star and you know talking to some like you know runway model who's like but that's so below you like there's this there's this sense of of um of you know there's art and then there's whatever that is and and certainly got my doses of that although i always had this feeling that ucla was like one of the hip bastions, you know, that they, that they, my, my impression was that because in particular being in LA where there's all these artists everywhere who are earning a living, particularly in the film industry um, and, and feeling like artists and respected as artists and having these big platforms for their art, like the Oscars and whatever, that a school like that would, you know, um, have, uh, it's just amazing to me to hear somebody say a thing like that in an environment like that. But I guess everybody yeah, wants to so. punch down to somebody. So they're like, okay, well, film is finally getting its due. So we need somebody we can shit on. Now that's games or the, the kid brother, uh, I guess. Maybe that's a bit of the cycle uh, right. there. You know, It's like all these jaded opera and symphonists who begrudgingly embrace film but want to be able to kick somebody uh, in exchange, I guess. 
<laughs> and it, the layout of the school too, it made no sense because there's like the music school here and then way across campus is the film school. And I would mm-hmm. walk there. That's how I was finding my, my little gigs. And you'd find all these pages all over the bulletin boards, you know, like, like pick a number thing. And it was like, help, I need a composer. And the film students had no idea that like, mm-hmm. oh, the music school is way down at the other end of campus. You should go there and post. They're posting in the film school. And, you know, I was like the only composer making that trek over there to try to find work. <laughs> um, I don't know, just so weird. But yeah, after I left, they actually hired Jerry Goldsmith to come and teach. So they did no kidding. eventually embrace, you know, other kinds of music for media. Yeah, I knew that I knew that he um uh you know kind of dipped his toes in there and uh, did you ever meet Brian Min um he, mm, he, I don't he, think so. he used to be the audio director for Double Fine um and uh now he he runs a he, company selling like USB typewriters that he invented that are super awesome <laughs> um really cool guy and anyway he had gone to ucla and james horner had been this was like in the early 80s right before horner's career took off he was sort of teaching to get by and horner was literally one of his teachers uh his like theory teacher and uh uh i said how was he and he was like oh terrible teacher uh he was he was (laughs) so like in his own head and i was like that that scans i i fully believe that i always figured jerry goldsmith was um probably similar you know like he's such a genius to me he's my my absolute you know gold medalist of film music and um can't fathom i can't picture him as this incredible educator but but uh, i don't know um so you were ships in the night so all right so then at some point this translates then into an actual first game. And I, th- I thought it was Battlestar Galactica, but correct me if I'm wrong that that was because I'm well, tell that, tell that story. Cause I like that it, story. It is. I, I do consider Battlestar Galactica my, my first game. I did have one prior to that called gunman Chronicles. And that happened while I was in school actually. And there was this whole mod community, you know, half-life mm-hmm. had just come out. They were taking ah, yeah. the half-life code and, and modding it into other games. And there was just tons of, of like, you know, single person developers, like modding half-life in their spare time. Right. And, and I reached out, you know, on message boards and, and I found the ones that I thought looked pretty cool. And I, I hooked up with these guys, uh, they're doing this game gunman. It turned into gunman chronicles. And that actually, um, got released it got bought by valve and really? they they released it and it was like in a big box i have uh, it's in here somewhere i've got it like my gunman chronicles box um that really technically was my first game but but then there was like six years after that with where there was nothing and so i see i just i had you know i'm living in la it's was way cheaper then than it is now but it was still you know for a guy that's trying to make it as a composer so i'm you know i did everything i roofed houses i i was a waiter i was a bartender i was a busboy i i cleaned out wells in a forest um never heard that one before yeah Uh, i worked at a women's clothing store for for one or two days um (laughs) (laughs) in the back they the trucks come in 
with just boxes and boxes of like just women's clothing and they're all in the, the cellophane and you got to pull that out and you put it into this machine and you steam them so that they're wrinkle free. And that was my job. I was steaming dresses and stuff and it was hot back there. Um, I, I would not survive. It. Yeah. No, no, no. I could <laughs> one day and I was like, ah, I'm done. Um, that's the, the well, the well, how do you land a job cleaning wells? I just need to make an aside on that because that's one of those where if you told me, go find a job cleaning wells, that's your challenge. Like we're on the <laughs> amazing race right now. I would have no idea where I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, yeah, I think I got that job. Like, through a contact from my mom because she was working. She's a headhunter for all the well cleaning agencies. No, she worked for the Girl Scouts and they were doing uh, some kind of like weekend retreat thing, you know, out in the, out in the forest somewhere. And the, their water was, you know, well water and there was something blocking them. And, and so they, they needed people they needed, you know, some able-bodied young men to be lowered down into wells and like pull out giant rocks that were in there. Um, so that's <laughs> that's what I did. It is cold down in a well, let me tell you. That's so uh, funny. Wow. I was, love that. I, I hope it paid amazingly. I don't think it did. I think it was probably minimum wage. Um oh my god, I'm just having these like flashbacks of of that. That was That's a very that, novel one. I love that, that, you know, for all of our kind of mythology, like lassie mythology of getting trapped down the well, I haven't met a lot of folks who that's, you know, it's like, no, no, I was down there by design. Yeah. Willingly. This is, it's intentional. I'm down here. <laughs> yeah. I'm down here for my, you know, seven bucks an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's, um, that's quite something. Um, I, I like, I, I, the thing that I was saying before was I was picking up as a bit of a thread. You've kind of mentioned offhandedly, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to like find the um, the interesting little snapshots of it. Is that it seems like you're somebody that greatly values kind of order and structure. Uh, when you were talking about, you know, you really took to theory. For example, that's somebody that likes to find patterns, that likes to sort of see how things operate and look for the kind of clockwork mechanisms uh, that that undergird the structure you know and um and and the things that you're bouncing off of are are the very kind of chaotic and free form is that a fair assessment do you feel like or at least as you were back in those days maybe you've evolved since then that's a good question i've i've never because i tend to feel like no i'm more kind of free form like i like i hate the rigidity of mm. of you know, structure, but, but maybe I don't, maybe, uh, have I just changed you know, your entire self-assessment? I, um, <laughs> cause people ask me, you know, Oh, how long, you know, how long does it take you to write whatever, blah, 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 minutes of music. And if it was up to me, I'd be like forever. Like I'll just yeah. never finish. I'll be right. working on this one cue until the day I die. Like it's, it's never going to be quite right. Um, I always have to go back to it and tweak something. But if you tell me it's due tomorrow or one week or one month, that's exactly how long it's going to take. Yep. Yep. I know that feeling all too well. Yep. I often will say to folks, my little, my little shtick description of that is I say the process is like a gas in a jar. 
It will just expand to the size and shape of whatever it has to work with. And that's what it needs. Uh, so if that's, you, I say the same thing, but I, but I do the uh, alligator in an aquarium. I'm like, it'll grow to, the, to its environment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yours is way cooler. Mine always gives people like weird <laughs> mental images uh, uh, or they've like never thought they like didn't take that physics class. So they don't have any clue what the fuck I'm talking about. And they're kind of like a gas in a jar. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I like I like the uh, alligator in the aquarium is, is definitely superior. Um, so. All right. So you you. So how did you. Because I love that so many of these stories have done a bunch of these now. And a lot of times, especially folks that are getting in around that time, that kind of like, you know, early 2000s or even just any time really before 2010, a lot of the things that they have in common are someone who kind of stumbled into the industry. They were they were very often chasing film or they were doing something else or they were playing with their band and they kind of tripped in. You're, you're one of the rare ones who kind of manifested it where you went, okay, that, that, I really want to do that. Now, once you get past around 2010, I think sort of people who were growing up around that time, they're hearing scores like the original God of War and things like that. And that suddenly that's their lightning bolt. And so, oh. so yeah, okay. That becomes increasingly common uh, for people to pursue games because they're directly inspired by games, so you're a bit of a you're a bit of the, ahead of the curve in that way, which makes it interesting. So what Battlestar Galactica is like a full on. This is not a mod that got lucky, which arguably would be the case on the Gunman thing. If that's a if that's essentially a mod that went Basically, the distance, yeah. you know, it's like Counter Strike. So how does um, how does Battlestar Galactica come about? Yeah. Okay. Whew, we're finally there. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so the final job that I had, I mean, now, so I graduated, had all the final jobs, like you know, day job. You mean? Well, what a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Final day job. And this is like six years down the road from graduation. Um, I am working as a telemarketer and by far I would, I would jump down a well all day long if, rather than call people <laughs> that didn't want to hear from you and try to sell them something they don't want. Uh, that was the most soul-crushing job for me personally, and I, I was terrible at it because I just didn't care. I'm like, call somebody up, hey, do you want this thing? Nope. Okay, have a great day. That. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't read the the script. Um, I just I would not try to talk people into it. I just wanted. You can feel their the tension as soon as you call and you're like, oh hi, is this Mr. And then you're trying to like, oh my God, I don't even know this name. I'm going to butcher their name. And then instantly you feel that tension of like, what is this? Who's this person calling me? Like, what, how do I get off the phone quickly? Oh, it's just awful. How many times does, uh, how many times does one typically make a sale out of say a hundred calls? That for me, maybe one in a hundred, uh, for other people that, that were actually good at that and they enjoyed it. They would, you would hear them like in the little booth next to me, like sweet talking people and just making them feel like, hey, I'm your best friend and I'm really, I want this for you so bad. And it was infectious and people be like, oh, well, wow, thanks. Like, I can't believe you called me out of everybody and you're offering this. Like, oh, where do I sign up? Um, it's so hard for me to picture because I, I, I have never, every time that I've ever gotten a call, I've always been the, like, look, I'm just going to 
I know that it's a numbers game for you. I'll I'll try to make this easier for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce out now because I do have a sympathy. Most people who work those jobs are probably similar to the position you were in. They're this is something that they are doing between things, and I I can totally my heart will go out to them, and I'm like I don't want to be a dick, so let's just like mutually agree to call it here. And yeah, and they'll I, often go, okay, great. And, but I, yeah. And I obviously have so much, you know, empathy for them as, as well, having done the job. So I really try to be friendly, but same thing. I'm like, look, I already have solar. I, I really don't need it. Um, can you please, can you please take me off those? Well, sir. And you could t- hear, they're just like, they didn't even listen to you. They're like, I have to read my whole script or I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm like, please, please. I'm begging you. Like, just stop. I don't want to have to hang up on you. And um <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it, it's hard anyways so I, that was the last so, one that was your grand finale but, of of uh like journeyman yeah. work so uh in the meantime i had even though i had no experience i had an agent which a lot of people had who was bob rice and bob definitely he was really my first mentor um but he played the numbers game, which is like cast a wide net over anybody that was interested in doing music for games. And then if something lands, he's like, which is what happened. He's like, I've got all the video game composers. I um, mean, at one point he really did. I mean, yeah, like he was the only one who took it seriously. I mean, when I yeah, got into the sure. business, he was the only agent, even GSA hadn't uh, gotten in yet. And they were kind of the first you know, sort of non like traditional composer agency seemingly to really yeah. kind of pay attention. And, but yeah, for years, uh, G- for my first like five GDCs, he was the only person there who was in this category, you know, who took any interest. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, he was a, he was a great guy. He was a total, like, uh, I don't want to say father figure to me, but definitely like a really cool uncle. <laughs> and I just love to be around him. And, you know, the fact that this guy like took me in and believed in me and I, it just meant the world to me. And so, you know, but he couldn't pitch me. I had, I had no credits. I had, I didn't even really have the gear uh, for this, but I would call him every few months. Hey, Bob, this is, you know, this is Chris Velasco. Remember me? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really looking for a job, like anything coming up, can I pitch on anything? And, and it was always like, Oh yeah, you know, I got your demo out everywhere. And, um, but then that one time I get a call from him and he's like, Chris, I've got an opportunity. Battlestar Galactica demo due tonight by 5 PM. And it's like in the morning, same day. And it's just like, what? That's, Oh my God. That's how it works. That's so fast. And uh, which is not how it works. Get your clicking um, finger ready to click in those notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I called I called work. They knew that I ultimately wanted to be a professional composer. And I said, guys, I finally have my shots. Like, I'm pitching Battlestar Galactica. How amazing is this? Um, so I got to take today off so I can write this demo. And, you know, they're like, well, sorry, Chris, but you got to – I don't know if you got your – uh, T- TPS report, but uh, or PTS <laughs> report, but <laughs> uh, it's like, no, we need you, we need you in here today. We're short staffed, you got to come in. And it's like, well, so obviously, I quit. Um, 
and I was talking to a few friends. I'm like, oh my God, I've got this opportunity. Like, holy crap, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. And, and I quit my job and it was like, what? And, you know, they'd seen me struggling for six years and not making any headway. And, and just everyone kind of knew like, oh man, Chris is that guy that's eventually going to be sleeping on our couch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we're going to, we're going to have to pass him around the different apartments and, and like feed him for a week and let him stay here. Cause he's obviously eventually going to lose his apartment. Um, and <laughs> this poor guy like has this dream that's just going to go unfulfilled and that really sucks for him, but it is what it is. And that's how I was feeling too. Um, so everyone's telling me like, Oh my God, no, don't do it. Chris, like forget that demo. Like there's no chance. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go back to work. Um, and it was really kind of shocking. I, I kind of always felt that people maybe felt that way, but it was shocking to kind of hear it. Like Chris, no, 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 this, I hate to tell you, but, this dream is over. Like you didn't, it's not going to work out for you. Like, we're so sorry, but be a telemarketer. That's, that's, uh, you don't have to stay there forever, but you have to stay there now because you got to pay your rent. And anyways, the finally, here we are at the end of the story, but I, I pitched for it. I, I listened to that. It, it was the original Battlestar, not the remake. Um, right. But I used to watch that with my mom, you know, as a kid. And, and so I knew the theme so well. And I, I went back and I listened to the, I had, you know, Stu Phillips, Battlestar Galactica, like album on, on iTunes, if there was even iTunes then, but anyways, I was listening to it. I'm getting familiarized with it, wrote a piece that incorporated his theme, but like did some twists and turns on it and turned it in at like four thirty or something. And it's like, whew, just under the wire. I get five minutes later, a phone call and it said, and the caller ID says infograms. And I'm like, wait, that's the company that's making Battlestar Galactica. Like, oh my God, they're like, I got the job. Like they're calling me to give me the job. This isn't, this is unbelievable. And it was the audio director. And he's like, Hey, Chris, uh, we got your, your demo. Like we love it. It is amazing. I can totally feel the passion. You totally know the style. Yeah. I can tell you're a fan of, of Stu. Uh, we love it so much. We have no idea who you are or how you heard about this, but we were not expecting a demo from you. And unfortunately we just hired somebody. This was like the last day we were, we told all the composers, we'll, we'll let you know end of day on, you know, whatever day that was. And, you know, surprise, surprise, you turned something in that we love, but we've already made a decision and already called that composer. So like, so sorry, but we'll keep you on the roster, you know, like next time, you know, like it'll be a first call to pitch and whatever. And it was, it was just so heartbreaking. Um, Although it's worth pointing out that to even get the call, to even get a call like that is a very rare, normally you just, it's just screaming into a void. Right. And you just know, <laughs> then you never even know if they listened or anything. I mean, the number of times there's been demos or, send in a reel of existing material over the years where you just, you just yeah. don't have any clue. It's the game it's comes really, out a year later and you go, Oh, I guess I didn't get that kick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The number <laughs> of times every year now, the, the new, the new trend lately has been all the big trailer reveals at uh, the game awards uh, where it's like every third trailer is like, ah, I forgot about that. I, I demoed on that two years ago and I forgot it existed. And I wonder who they ended up hiring. It's like this right. constant that happens all the time. So it's really cool of them, even if it's bearing heartbreaking news, especially the gamble you took, 
I do think it's really awesome that they were like, you know, we got to let this guy feel the love because he went kind of, you know. Yeah. So above it, and beyond. that for sure doesn't happen anymore. But this was early 2000s. And, um, you know, the game industry was a little bit different back then. Yeah. A um, sure. little more but, mom and pop feel almost. Right. Kind of. Uh, but after that, I was like, okay, well, I gave it my, my best shot. I quit my job. I called them back to see if, if I could have it again. And, and they said no. And part of me was relieved that I didn't have to do that anymore. But I was like, well, the only other thing I like doing these days is cooking. So I'm going to go to culinary school and become a chef. Uh, so I was looking into local cooking schools in LA. And then I'm like, like filling out the application form and I get a call this is like a day or maybe two days later. And it's the same guy. He said, Chris, I just can't stop listening to your demo. And I, and I really like it. And I just, I know how disappointed you were. And I just want to give you a shot. Um, so we're going to give you one cinematic to score. And it's about, you know, two minutes long. And, you know, do you have, like, here's how much we can offer. But like, do you have can we do the deal? Do you need to talk to your agent or whatever? And, um, and I was like, Oh my God, like, like, yes. And I put him in touch with Bob Rice and, and just like, I'm going to make enough money off this one cinematic to like pay my rent and buy groceries this month. Like, Oh my God, I've made it. I'm a professional composer. <laughs> like I just paid my bills with music and, <laughs> and I put everything I had into that one queue and Turned it in. They loved it. Like no revisions. I get a call a week later. You know, do you want to do another one? We've got all these cinematics and um, we just want to, we just love what you did. Like here, do, just do another one. And I did it and then another and another. And then at one point they said, you know, we just like what you're doing so much. Um, we actually let go of the composer that we hired and we just want you to, to score the game. And so rare. It, it was insane. And then from there, I, you know, there was still the, the audio director. He was also kind of an in-house composer, but they were doing enough stuff that and he had too many other responsibilities that, so they were still doing some outsourcing, but from there, the next game, like I scored their next three games after that. And they mostly did game for, for kids. And one of them, the second one was Barbie of Swan Lake, which I can proudly say now that Barbie is cool again. Um, <laughs> but I worked on Barbie. I did some other kids game for them. And then they did a Van Helsing game. And I got mm. to co-write on that. And we actually went up to Seattle and recorded that live. And Was that your first time the, doing a proper session on a game? Yeah. A Van Helsing game? Yeah. What I love, did, did you ever know, I'm not asking you to name names, but did you ever know who they let go on Battlestar? Like, is that like... I do. Is that, is that like someone about town? Like, cause that's a, did any of their music stick in the game? Like, is it one of those that, that you end up kind of riding shotgun or did it all eventually kind of get filtered out? I think, I think I, I think I replaced it all. And, and yeah, I do, I do know who it is. Um, it's somebody that you would know for sure, but I'm not going to say. No, no. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't ask you to, I, I would, cause I never, like I've been on both sides of that as well. I've had I've had situations where I, the it, the ground was kind of turning to sand below my feet, and I was like, I think this is not going well. And then, sure enough, 
sort of things. I kind of I kind of got Thanos snapped out of out of a project, <laughs> and I've also been that person where like you know you're you're just kind of riffing, and then before you know it, what you thought was a shared gig or something ends up kind of being your gig, and you're like, well, I I promise I wasn't trying to screw you, you know. Like there's been so it's a complicated world, you know, some people, people it's dynamic and people make the decisions that they think is right for the project. And sometimes you're the beneficiary of that. And sometimes you're not, and you just try to keep your head above water. And so I don't begrudge any of the angles on that. Uh, but that's where I, I had forgotten. I remembered the story. The reason why I love to prompt you to tell it, even this indulgently, I honestly, I love it, especially because, you know, the, I think one of the, the kind of core crowds for this podcast are, you know, people just getting started. And I, I love really exposing all the intricacies because so often, especially in a career like yours, you've just done so many games at such a high level that that um, it's so easy to just somehow see it as it was this inevitable path. And I remembered very much the, I guess I got to quit my job and just go for it. Uh, that story struck a chord with me whenever I first heard it or read it in an interview with you or something like that. Um, that I really love to hear, like the kind of blow by blow uh, that it that it took to to get there. I had actually completely forgotten if I even knew that 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 um, the like the other person ended up being kind of fully phased out of it, um, and um, uh, so it goes. I also love that the Barbie thing is such a point of pride. Jack Wall also has a Barbie game that he did. It was like I think it was Barbie that like. 20 years later, that audio director looked him up and remembered working with him and hired him on Call of Duty Black Ops. Uh, and it was like, I love that story it's for the similar reason that it's like these things that feel like little, you know, seeds in the in the water um, can become a career defining opportunity. Uh, and I, you know, I just I love exposing those stories. They're they're endlessly just inspiring and, and reminders of, you know, just do your best work. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh man. That's what I, you know, I get asked of course all the time by, you know, kind of up and comers, like how do I get into games and um, cleaning? Well, always, always one, recommended. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I always tell them, you know, I'm going to, maybe I'll do this one day. It seems like it's all the rage now to, to write a book. Um, but I'm like, well, you got to read my, my new book, which is called how to get struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't, I can't even it's a great title. Actually. That's a great idea. The, uh, the steps throughout my own past that led me to that point. Um, and so, you know, it's just, you know, it's, like Jurassic Park and chaos there. It's like, you know, look at the drop of water, like running down your arm and like, Oh, it, it hit a little hair there. It took a turn. And um, it's just so impossible. But, but yeah, one thing I always tell people is like, just, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I was so happy to be working on Barbie. Of course I did my best work. And even now, if I get a project that I'm not super excited about, um, I just, I will always do my best work and you just, you make it exciting. Um, I, I did, that's kind of a great segue into a game that I did that just came out called Fay Farm. Like I'm mm. my, my 
musical gaming history is is all these like big sci-fi horror action epic stuff right and other than that barbie game that i never really have talked about in you know 20 years um i've never done a any sort of a not necessarily a kid's game but you know something cozy like a farming sim right like that that's so far off my radar of like what I like to play and what I would ever listen to or ever dream of composing. And so I was told like, Hey, there's this game, you know, we really want you to write the music for this. And I was like, Oh, I don't think so. Uh, That's (laughs) like, I don't, I can't even begin to know what I would do. And then, and then I got into it and it's like, no, Chris, we like, we insist this game is really important for us. Um, and the company and, and you're doing it and, um, and just like dive in and, and have fun. And, and so instead of being like, Ugh, I don't know. And I didn't listen to any other farm games either. I didn't listen to uh, animal crossing or right. whatever the other ones are. Uh, Stardew Valley. Um, yeah, of course. I've never played any of those. I've never listened to any of those. I just thought like, okay, this music is going to be my interpretation of like what a, a cozy, game should be Mm. and it just turned into one of the like most positive like coolest experiences of my composing career like i woke up and i was so happy to be working on it every day um it just opens my my creative like circle more than than what i thought it was you know i I just for this longest time was like this is what i do uh like sorry cozy farming falls outside my circle here and then once I got over that, it's just like, wait, we can all play together, actually. And it was just so cool. And it, it definitely opened up a door in my in my head that was like, now I've got this new, like, cool bag of tricks, I feel. Right. And and I find that stuff, like, populating other things that I do now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I get this now. Like, I can do this here in this different way. And it's just, it's causing me to, you know... It, it honestly it totally leveled me up as a composer it's you know so all these years and games later it's fascinating to hear that always fascinating to hear people's kind of self uh, diagnosis or or self analysis of what they they perceive their thing is or their strength i mean obviously your pedigree from you know god of war working on bloodborne and a lot of these like super ultra dramatic epic you know like gothic it probably all started with Van Helsing. Um, that's just sort of like really, really big. I mean, and talk about manifesting the dream. I want to do Star Wars, you know, that like big orchestral statements, huge kind of sweeping. You definitely seem to have cornered the market on that. But but, but I've always really loved you've, especially the last few years, you've done a lot of things where this, where what you're describing isn't as a field of those as probably, it's like you have this, uh, mental uh, image of, of yourself, but you've done a lot of things. Like I really liked um, um, the um, uh, oh, crap. I'm trying to remember that. I'm suddenly blanking on the name of the game, but I remember it had these utterly delightful clarinet solos <laughs> in the theme. It was very, Oh, um, uh, groundhog day. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, this whole other wheelhouse or the um what was the uh the kind of clue uh who done it um 
Um, Invisible Hours. Invisible, yeah. Also loved that score. Really, really, um, totally not the big bombastic, you know, let me show you how to kind of shake a mountain uh, thing that that you do seemingly so effortlessly. Um, and so it's, it is funny that, you know, this, like I get that even those have their darkness or their kind of, you know, dramatic quality. That's very different than the kind of cozy farming sim. I totally, I totally get that even those probably feel to you closer, but the eclectic capabilities that you have, have been on display, uh, quite abundantly from my point of view for years. So it's, it's just fascinating to hear that, oh, I, I don't know how to do that. And it's like. Uh, you, I, I would if I, had I been in the room, then I'd say, really, you don't think that you can, you know, it's, it's, you've really, you've stretched a lot, man, <laughs> it, like in the best way. Not to mention yeah, Carrion, just, which I fucking loved. Um, like, oh my god, as a, as a totally got, non, wait, like, show a, you something. Oh please, yeah. I just got this yesterday in the mail. Materia Collective put out the uh the ultimate vinyl set it this thing is this thing is like super heavy this thing yeah that's gigantic this is carrion like it's a little pixelated on here i will enjoy oh. it'll be it'll be properly kind of high def in the actual final video because the the local record is nicer so i will come back i will bookmark this gotcha. uh yeah, i will like it's... and subscribe to this channel and return to <laughs> to uh so... check it out yeah, when I was in high school, I was so into like punk rock and metal. And I just loved, you know, you'd go buy a record or even the, the CDs, you know, they used to come in the big boxes. Um, yep. But it would have the the album art on there. And then, you know, I've, as you can maybe see around my studio too, I'm, I'm way well, We're going to get art. to the just, art. Yeah, the art thing is a okay. big topic I want to broach. Uh, uh, before we uh, reach the end, for sure. Do you have a hard out? I don't want to just use your time forever. Um, like one ish, maybe a little after one. We oh, got okay. That should be plenty. That should be plenty. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. Um, so, uh, so kind of art and music have collided for me in 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 just the coolest possible way, and I I discovered that like oh man, these old metal bands and punk bands used to commission artists to do the their album cover and I've always wanted to do that. And, you know, usually it's like, Oh no, we're going to use key art from the game. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, you know, I, I just have like no say in, in any of that usually Yep. half the time. I can't even do like track order or name my own tracks or whatever. It's just like, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> um, and I'm just happy to get it out there. But right. on carrying, you know, I discovered this game on Twitter and I didn't follow any of the guys. It was like two guys in Poland making this game. And <laughs> somehow somebody like must have retweeted something and it, it somehow wound up in my feed, but all it was was this little animated gif of like a tentacle, right. uh, like grabbing somebody and like propelling itself around this maze. And just the way it looked, it's like, ah, oh, this is so cool. Like there's something that's really speaking to me. Like, I don't know what this thing is, but I want in. And so I reached out, um, found found out who was making it, found out like it is a game, but it's like, it's so early. I'm like, dude, I want to write the music for this so bad. And they, you know, they kind of looked at my credit list. They're like, 
uh, we're like two guys in Poland, you know, we don't have any money. We, we can't like, like, wow, thanks so much for the offer. But like, there's no way we're going to be able to afford that. And I told him like, don't even worry about that. Like I, worst case scenario, I do it for free. Um, I just love your vision and I want to be a part of this so bad. Like there's something really speaking to me on a cellular level here. And so on a mutating flesh eating cellular (laughs) level. Right. (laughs) So did the game, they let me, um, I kind of retained the rights to my music. And then I was like, wait a minute, I can decide like what goes on the cover for the album and I'm going to commission some of my favorite artists to do artwork for it. And so I commissioned three different pieces. One is the, um, the one that's just like the regular carrying album that you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm just going to grab it too. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, it's awesome. I'm glad you do because I, that game was one of those where it was a very you game. It was one of those, as soon as I saw it, it just felt like, of course, he just because I know the kind of art you're into, it just struck me as this is the kind of game whose poster he would have already had, <laughs> you know, from an exhibition. It just, it really was one of those totally. natural. So, yeah, yeah I, this, love I know there's kind of a glare on it, but um, this was done by a, a guy named Dan Quintana, who's one of, he's a good friend and just an amazing artist. And then I released an EP later. Um, of some additional tracks we wrote for like a DLC and then we were up for a BAFTA and I wrote a track called BAFTA that stands for Badass Freaking Terrifying Alien Um, and so that went on the the EP and I got this other guy Chet Czar to do the album cover for that and then I convinced Materia to do this, this big like double album and it's the album is actually blood filled, um, which I had a Slayer CD back in the day, and it, it came in this like blood filled pouch. And, and I always remembered it, and I was like, "That is so freaking cool!" Like one day I want to have like a blood filled something album. And so I ran it by them, and they're just like, "Let's do it." And so it's a freaking blood filled record. Um, so funny. And you actually I, have to, got, have, to uh, have to like uh, send in your insurance info so they can make sure it's a match, you know, give you like your own negative or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> right. Yeah. In case of emergency, you can pop that open. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Someone's like, Oh, I hope it's your blood in there. And it's like, it is my, my blood, sweat and tears is in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's that one. What I, I love about that story also, um, is much like the very beginning of your career, there's a certain amount of kind of manifesting uh, entailed, you know, one of those that, that um, I, I really love when I talk to composers in particular, where they've achieved a certain plateau of success, where theoretically working on something like there's, there's, there's metrics by way by which you might judge something as sort of below wherever you feel like you're at, whether it's they have less money or it's, you know, it's a small team or, you know, it's it's uh, they, they have a really narrow time and you're like, I don't really I don't need that anymore. I don't need to I don't need to crunch or whatever, whatever kind of lens through which you go. Mm, this is how I st- I've kind of started filtering things. What I love is that almost every composer 
there will be something that violates all those and they're but they're like nope i i have to do that i have to for whatever reason it's, this is just a thing that speaks to me and I, I i love those little those reminders i think they're great just as things to put out into the world that um that no matter how successful one seems to be that's still very it's still very viable to be just driven by the raw passion of it and like some of your favorite gigs and then obviously this one bore enormous fruit professionally you know this this thing of like i just need to be part of this i mean i remember uh being on the dice jury and everybody was like this one absolutely this one and it didn't matter no one thought of it through the lens of is this a low budget game or what it did no one even i mean those juries generally don't think about that stuff anyway it's just like how good is the work but i remember the whole jury being like this is such a standout like it's so it feels like blood sweat and tears in the best in the best way so you like you really got a lot out of out of it beyond just the joy day by day that it was to work on it it seems yeah no absolutely um it was you know i i keep saying like oh that was a career highlight for me but it's um i feel like every project becomes a, a career highlight for me. I, I just love writing music so much. <laughs> and, and now through the lens of like super big budget, triple a to, you know, two man team, uh, indie it's, there's not, there's not a lot of difference. Uh, and I, I don't approach it differently at all. I mean, maybe in terms of, are we recording, you know, Am I recording a solo cellist here or are we going to Abbey Road? Like there's, there's that. Right. But, but in terms of music and the amount of, of effort and joy that I get in it, it's, it's all the same to me. Well, I will say you, my, my like most probably treasured game ever as a player has been the Mass Effect franchise. And some of the absolute highlight of Mass Effect is the DLCs, which I know you, uh, were a part of on on at least two and three i think um mm-hmm. and um um so i just can't not prompt you if there's any uh good stories that are associated with that just because that's just purely me as a fan at that point uh anytime um uh i have uh, occasion to basically shoot the shit with anybody who was rolling i had a friend recently who was saying who was talking about talking to the actress Marina Sirtis and like, yes, I'm a big Star Trek nerd, but I said, wait, you're saying that, that, um, you know, the sort of first major boss, uh, fight from mass effect one actress, uh, is someone that, uh, (laughs) I'm one degree removed from that. Like, yeah. Okay. I do also have a great respect for counselor Deanna Troy, but come on. I just, this is like a (laughs) weird weakness for me with anything related to mass effect. Um, and uh, so I, 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 I generically prompt you if there's any stories there, because that's a bit aesthetically different from obviously your, you know, these big orchestral scores that, that you know, you've been doing for so long now that the, the general aesthetic of that is obviously so much more electronic and kind of Vangelis-y and um Yeah. And all of the orchestra, at least one, two and three. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know about one, I assume, but um um i came in to do dlc on two and then um you know i was working with sasha at the time and we we scored probably an 
hour and a half of music for three and then plus a bunch of DLCs. But none right. of that was recorded live. They, it was always, it never seemed like it was a budget concern. It was always a time thing, which I, I was always a little disappointed on. I, I just wanted that, that feeling of, of recording Mass Effect with an orchestra. I, I thought it would have been so amazing. Um, I think they did record on, what was the fourth one? Andromeda. I, I yeah, even, I think you're right. Andromeda. I'm pretty sure they did it in Nashville. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but gosh, do I have any stories about that? I don't, not really, at least nothing that I can really talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I just, I'm always curious, especially, you know, uh, I had forgotten that that was a, um, one of the kind of Chris and Sasha gigs, but it, I guess it, that makes total sense because to the degree that there is um, orchestral stuff in Mass Effect, it tends to be, there are exceptions, but they tended to be the the kind of hybrid, very like fused uh, production-y kind of sounding stuff, if not just overtly kind of like 80s uh, right. analog synth vibe for, for the rest of it. But, um, it's just, the, the, I don't know, the juxtaposition of that alongside the, you know, Bloodborne or other things that would have been around that same time. Um, they're just so night and day as games that I, I find my my curiosity peaked. Um, and, well, uh, it was a, a really trip about something like that, like night and day, is when I was doing, when I was on Fay Farm, I was working on Lords of the Fallen at the exact same time. And that was a trip to switch between the two, but it was very much, I did it by like time of day. It was like, okay, sun's out. We're doing Fay farm. Like I'm in, I'm in a good mood. I'm, you know, I'm birds are chirping. Yeah. Birds are chirping. I'm, you know, it's night. There's a nice breeze. I'm, I'm, you know, having some iced tea in the studio and it's just like having a great time. And then sunsets, I have dinner come in, like set the mood lighting in the studio and, <laughs> and it was all Lords of the Fallen and just like super dark horror fantasy kind of stuff. So that was, I had to figure out a way to separate it though. Cause it was just, it made no sense otherwise. Right. Yeah, no, I, I feel that I, I've definitely had a couple of those uh, instances of the sort of one represents the palate cleanser to the other. So you kind of, once you spent a few hours doing one, it's like the perfect thing to kind of switch up your day to just hard left turn. It's funny from the outside, people have the perception that that somehow would be really, really difficult, but I, I find it actually helps. It's, it's, it's such a uh, cathartic relief to be able to kind of go really hard and then, and then just set it completely aside and shift gears into something that has no business. It's, it's when, it's when two projects that are kind of similar are side by side that I find very difficult because the goal is for them to not, pollute each other you know and one idea accidentally you're like before you know it, you're quoting a theme in the wrong game and you're like ah fuck what am i doing oh my god i did that um really ha have done that yeah i was um maybe somebody will go and like find it but i was doing uh company of heroes 2 and this game called um oh no what was it called it was another world war ii game um, I can't even think of what it's called, but they were like same, like, you know, World War II, same palette, just orchestral. Um, 
and at exactly the same time. And that was, that was really hard to swap between two. The only thing that, that I could kind of hang my hat on was one was supposed to be from like company of heroes was you were playing, uh, the Russians and then on this other one, Oh, enemy front. That's what it's called. You were playing, uh, from the Polish side. And so, uh, for the Polish side, I was like, okay, uh, like famous Polish composer, like Chopin, like I'm going to go, I'm going to put a lot of like Chopin esque, like piano type stuff in the score. And that kind of set it apart for me, but there was definitely some cross pollination going on. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard people. Yeah. Sometimes, especially cause sometimes these things, the, they might, you know, you work on one for three years and there's like one year in which they overlap. So to the outside world, they are years apart, but they don't realize that there might've been this window where they were coexisting behind the scenes, you know, during production. Uh, well, I, I want to talk also about the, the art thing because, um, you know, kind of Carrion was such a wonderful little kind of glancing blow at that, but it's one of the, it's one of my favorite things about you uh, because I, especially when I'm talking to schools and stuff, and often you get that very impossible question of what sort of advice do you give to somebody just starting out where it just feels like you're asking them, it's like summarize the history of the world. It just feels like how do I don't even know where to begin because I feel, how can I offer advice also without even knowing you and all that kind of thing. It always feels like kind of an just an unsolvable thing. So what I've kind of fallen back on is I'll say things like um, the most interesting and often most successful composers are v- almost always independent of their music, interesting people. And they have things in their life that are totally removed from their music, at least on the surface, but probably below the surface, there's a real continuity that you can find if you really kind of get into an analysis on like a psychological level or a philosophical level. Um, But fundamentally, it also just means that they're out avoiding burning themselves out because they have things that they like to do and they have, and they end up meeting people that are not just the same people and they draw inspiration from something other than just what movie is in theaters right now or what game just came out last Friday or that kind of thing. But they're actually kind of their well, not to be pun adjacent is full of things beyond just self-referential within the industry, but they're actually out there kind of finding sources of inspiration that may not even be related to music, you know, and whether it's, they like to cook or they do poetry jams when no one's looking or they or they <laughs> or they're like avid like I have a friend composer in the UK she's this avid like ice water swimmer and and loves to get like put on like 11 millimeter wetsuits and go in fucking frigid waters at, to go swimming so much so she ended up creating like a, a swimwear like an ice water swimwear line as almost like a side hustle like so that's the kind of stuff where I go, I love when people find something or multiple things. Like some people, I got a, another composer buddy that it's like, when you talk to this guy for an hour, it's like, what have you not done in life? He's like, Oh yeah, I was a volunteer policeman for a little while. And I did some rescue scuba (laughs) work. And it's just one of these people who's just kind of bounced through life doing this endless laundry list of interesting things. And so the thing that all this is a long winded way of teeing you up to just talk about is, is, is where you got into this real passion for art, 
particularly obviously, you know, what we might call fine art or, or painters, that world sculpture, um, so much so that you've curated exhibitions, which I just think is so cool. So yeah, however you want to unpack all that, I, I, it's just one of those things that I love when people have a thing, I, I just love learning more about that thing and how they got into it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've loved art since I was a little kid and specifically dark art. Like if, if your art, if your painting has a monster in it, chances are I like it. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, a lot of kids draw. And uh, recently my parents were like cleaning out my old bedroom and closet and they found, you know, my box of drawings and um, they're like, here's this thing, you know, we're trying to make room in this. We want to turn this into a gym or something now. Can you, <laughs> can you take this? Uh, and I was looking through it and I'm like, Oh my God, everything in here is like a monster. Right. Um, you telegraphed this. And, uh, and then like growing up when people are like, Oh, what do you want to be? And, you know, my friends are like, I want to be a fireman or I want to be an astronaut or, um, I wanted to work at Jim Henson's creature shop and make monsters. And, and then, you know, it, that turned into like the, the obligatory, like, okay, you're in your, your first apartment or whatever with roommates and you've got, you know, you went to Prince plus and you've got the Salvador Dali, you know, prints on the wall or maybe like a Van Gogh something. And, mm -hmm. um, so I did all that. And then, uh, I just started eventually just going down the, this rabbit hole. I mean, that's for me that when the, when we got the internet, you know, that, that opened up this world of art to me where um, before, you know, it's like either in, in books, you know, you could go to borders and, and like find like the Frazetta book and look at that cool stuff or like HR Giger and look at that mm. stuff. And that was all amazing. But unless you went to a gallery, you were not really exposed to anything new. And then the internet just, blew those doors open for me and yeah total rabbit hole going down like um like okay here's this artist i like and it's like wow wait a minute there's it's kind of like if you like this one you might like this this person and this and then it just it's like oh my god there's so much incredible art out there and maybe 15 16 years ago uh there was a, a gallery in berlin called Strychnine. And they are they are now closed, but they did a, a show with three of my like now favorite uh, artists. But I I saw that they I'm like wait a minute you can buy the, an original painting or drawing or sculpture you know it doesn't have to be a a print and <laughs> it's obviously way more expensive. But I happened to have been. Um, you know, in a place financially where it's like, okay, if I buy this one painting, it's not going to ruin me. And the thought of like having something like so personal, like just really blew my mind. And so I, so I bought my first piece and then, and it shows up and I, I do, you know, the whole unboxing thing. And I'm just, I just remember like having it on the ground and I just like laid next to it. It was just looking at this like, this is the only one in the world. Like this is absolutely incredible. And it's, it now lives in my home. Like I'm now the steward of this painting mm -hmm. and which is, I feel like a big responsibility. Um, if that's the only, if that's, this is a unique thing in all of the world and it lives with you, like you have a huge responsibility towards that painting. I feel, uh, 
and then you know i talked to my then girlfriend now wife but it's like what if every time i got like a big paid every time i get a gig or maybe if it's just once a year maybe i can get like a new painting and you know she's like yeah go for it and then <laughs> that turned into <laughs> an absolute like you know in the best way sickness that i developed that it's like i i have to have art surrounding me at all times and and so my studio is not a typical composer studio um there's no there's no paneling anywhere i don't have bass traps anywhere I, right there's it's, it is not treated for sound at all um because i can't bear to lose one square inch of wall space uh for art and i don't mix in here anyways um i send everything out to be mixed now so like it doesn't matter if it doesn't sound acoustically perfect in here Right. Um, I just want to create a little cocoon that's like all my favorite things. So it's just like art and instruments and, um, you know, I've got windows in here. It's not like the, the windowless studio. It's I, yep. so I can look out, I can see, you know, it's, it's actually crazy windy out here now, but the trees are like blowing around like crazy. And I see birds, you know, <laughs> trying to fly. I can see them now, like these crows, like, trying to get somewhere, but that wind is like keeping them in place. <laughs> yep. Um, but I just, I love my, my studio, my surroundings so much. And, and that is all because of art. And then, uh, and that just opened up, you know, so many more friendships for me too. Like I've got all my music friends, I've got my childhood friends, you know, but now I've got this huge community of artists and every year, uh, about two times a year, I do this kind of, artist party thing where I invite all the local people that they're like, and then they're like, Oh, but what about this artist? Do you know this person or this person? And you should invite them over. They'd love to see your collection and, and you would totally love their work. You got to get to know them. They're great. And then just other collectors, just like-minded people. And it's just created this, this little community of artists is, is so meaningful to me. And just um, it's, it's so special to have that outside of music. Like I can't, talk about nor do i want to talk about music all day long like i i love music with a passion but like oh my god i'm in here working in my studio by myself like so many hours a day and when i leave it you know people are like oh what do you listen to outside i'm like ah, I, I mean i do listen to music like when i'm driving but um now nah, i'd rather i'd rather do other stuff yeah i i totally get that my you know my girlfriend is a painter and my whole front room of the studio is just covered in walls of her work. She used to use that room to paint in. Now she sort of st stole a spare bedroom at home because she didn't like getting up at five in the morning like I do because I don't I don't work from home. But it, I love I love going in there and it's just like a sea. Her 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 work it tends to be extremely colorful um, and and so it's just like it's like stepping into a aurora borealis in there. You know, it's just the whole all the walls are covered in these you know, really, really bright and colorful work, sort of in, in so many ways, the opposite of the kind of like monster, the monster fest. Um, although there is quite a <laughs> lot of beautiful color in a lot of those, but yeah, anyway, I just had to ask because I, 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 I love that. I so, I so, um, I so get that. And I, I also really resonate with that having kind of like a separate community, uh, 
of in like you know we all have our little kind of outlets and little groups of people that we know and having one that's so different and so removed from all the rest you just end up getting exposed to different ideas and different ways of thinking and and different backgrounds and and uh, you know not every conversation is about you know which piece of music was your gateway drug they like don't even have a version of that it's like a whole other frame of reference on life itself i think it's so valuable and it, it's such a it's such a thing I encourage people, you know, to remember to do. We get lost in the hustle of of work and keeping opportunities coming. I think very easily, uh, it's easy to kind of forget to, you know, not miss out on life. And yeah. and 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 your particular manifestation of that, I, I just think is so cool. And I and I I'm always telling folks about it as you know, you know, going all in on on a passion. Uh, this is a great example of that. So. Uh, so yeah, man. No, I, I just thought that would be a good, a uh, good kind of um, uh, destination. I, of course, I'm happy to. If there's anything, uh, you know, you, I liked that you you brought up Fay Farm. Um, I was listening to Lords of the Fallen when when you first released it. I don't know if there's anything you want to mention since that is a sort of a timely release. I'm certainly happy to invite any sort of plugs or fun stories that you want to get into. But otherwise, I feel really. Uh, I, I just I love deep dive on the origin story and then a wonderful scatter shot through the the rather amazing career you've had since then yeah thanks and you know i feel um i mean i'm super stoked about lords of the fallen that that's a game that when i got approached about it, i'm like this has potential to be my new favorite game because i just love that Soulsborne stuff um but um yeah i mean you know this other stuff is so much more interesting than like plugging games like oh <laughs> make make sure you go to my website and check out this like yeah you know, no, I don't, well but it's it's nice to you know tag both i guess you know i love we, yeah for sure i just did i ha- just had another release last week actually called song of nunu um oh i don't know anything about that one um yeah it's by uh, my buddies at tequila works who also did the invisible hours and groundhog day um and they did another game called guilt which mm-hmm. i also scored i remember um, that one those guys, oh man, they're, I just love them so much. I met them in Spain and they're like family and friends and getting to work with them is just, it's just such a joy. And I feel like each project I do for them uncovers another side of my own like creativity that I didn't really know about. Kind of like the um, Groundhog Day, like, like clarinet thing. It was very, that was like my first kind of like comedy type thing Mm. to write for. And and that was all because of them. And now Song of Nunu, it's, it was them plus Riot Forge. Uh, so mm. it's based on like a, um, these characters from League of Legends. But now they've got their own like little adventure, just the two of them. And it's a, I don't know, it's a very personal score too. It's, it's also kind of quite different. It's not the bombastic stuff. It's, it's very heartfelt and then um, moments of levity. and uh, But yeah, man, I wish I could. I don't know. I'll have to do this another time, or or I'll just tell you when it when I'm able. But yeah, I've got something else coming out too that I'm I'm so thrilled about. It was another like bucket list thing for me. Mm. So I don't know. Things are things are good, man. I'm, That's great to hear. When? How long? How far off is the bucket list thing uh, from you know the the curtain being pulled back on? Uh, it's actually been announced. They told me I, game industry can be weird. Like, I don't understand how, like, 
ta-da, we're announcing this new game, and here's everybody that's involved in it. Composer? Nope. It makes really no sense to me. But that's that's the deal on this one. It has been announced, and I think they told me maybe, well, it's not going to be till next year when I can announce, but the music is already done, recorded, mixed, good to go. Yeah, I see. All right, well, people will be in will enjoy guessing, I guess, uh, what that's all about. Uh, and then at some point, that will all be out in the open, and this will still be living online. And hopefully, people will update the comment section uh, <laughs> with uh, with the final answer on that. So, um, well, awesome, man. Well, dude, really appreciate uh, you taking the time and and you know stepping stepping me through all these all these uh, great stories. Yeah, yeah, this is fun. It's um, I really, I really enjoyed it. This is cool. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the Game Makers Notebook. For more information on the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, our podcasts, and our other initiatives, please visit www.interactive.org.